are live from beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Cleveland, Ohio, Valley View, Ohio, here on All Sports Cleveland. I am your host, Tyrell Jackson. Welcome to episode five of Technically It's Real, and it's about to get real as we have. Yes, yes, yes. We have two hours of sports talk here today. So look, we're gonna I'm gonna break this down first. First, we are going to talk about Jobber of the Week. Trust me, that's coming up after I break this down. Then we are going to get into SummerSlam preview. What a good event. We're gonna talk about that. We're also gonna talk about the AFC East because we're gonna get into that. And if time, if we have the time to, we are also going to get into the AFC West. I would love to get the AFC West out of the way as well, because guess what? We want to get into the NFC. But a couple of announcements first. First off, uh, the 11th, September 11th, which is a Saturday. Not only is it the 20th anniversary of um, what happened in New York. Uh, I was about five years old when that happened. Um, but I will not be there, be here to do the show as I have a prior work event that I have already signed up for. So I will not be available uh, to give you guys a fantastic show on the 11th. But we will bounce back on the 18th for sure. But I will also be here next week as well. Also, AEW has announced that they will be also in the movie theaters as well, including down at Valley View for All Out. Trust me, you don't want to miss that. I will be there once again. It was a good atmosphere for SummerSlam uh, at the movie theater, especially when you got my loud self there as well. But nonetheless, good atmosphere and everything like that. But let's get into it because we've already wasted enough time talking about the announcements and everything. Uh, let's get going and we're going to get going with Jobber of the Week. Now, for my new listeners, Jobber of the Week is very simple. It's if you, a team, or anything is just, when you do something or when something is done and you just go, what the heck was that, or whatever it may be, you just got to, you just make Jobber of the Week. Last week, Jobber of the Week was me. I had a bad week. It was a lot going on last week. Not this week that happened, but the week prior. And I made myself Jobber of the Week. So that shows that I am not excluded from Jobber of the Week. Trust me, we got nothing but unbiased here. But Jobber of the Week this week goes to that none other than wrestling fans. That is right. Because... What we got this past weekend that happened, we got CM Punk's return, we got Becky Lynch's return, and we got Barack Lesnar's return. And trust me, we are going to get into all into those two returns. We got into those return of CM Punk last week. But instead of <clears throat> enjoying a wonderful show, a wonderful wrestling weekend, Enjoying SummerSlam. Enjoying the fact that we got Becky back. We got Lesnar back. 
And trust me, we're going to get into the Lesnar. Uh, we're going to get into the Lesnar as well, but we're also going to get into the Becky Lynch return as well. And I got my thoughts on that. But just excluding what happened after the Becky return, what we got was just great wrestling last weekend. SummerSlam was good. We got CM Punk back in the ring. And yes, he will be facing Darby Allin at All Out. We got Lesnar. We got Lynch. And instead of enjoying what we have here, what we have been blessed with, we complain. We moan. We got something to say. There's another word I want to use, but I cannot use it. I have to follow FCC guidelines. But how dare we get blessed with amazing wrestling, with amazing returns. That includes NXT 36. We get blessed with great moments in wrestling last weekend. And what do we do on Twitter? What do we do on Facebook? What do we do on forums? We complain, compare, and try to start a wrestling war. It is a load of baloney. Why can we not, as professional wrestling fans, enjoy what we got? CM Punk's return. <clears throat> CM Punk's return was amazing. It is easily top three best returns of all time. It is easily top three best returns of all time. It is easily one of the best things to happen in professional wrestling in a long, long time. Becky Lynch returning after a year and a half of being a mother returning to that loud pop. Amazing. Barack Lesnar. Barack Lesnar returning as we did not know what was going to happen with him, whether he was going to AEW or WWE, or he was just going to be done. He returns at the end of SummerSlam. And what do we do as professional wrestling fans? We go, well, that wasn't better than CM Punk's return. Well, that wasn't better than what AEW did. Well, that wasn't better than what WWE did. CM Punk's return wasn't all of that. Stop complaining. Because what we got was greatness this past weekend. That is what we got. And instead of enjoying the moment, instead of appreciating what we got, instead of appreciating that we got CM Punk in a professional wrestling ring for the first time in seven years, instead of appreciating that we got Brock Lesnar back to finally get the rivalry that we have all been waiting for, and that is Lesnar versus Reigns with Paul Heyman right in the middle of it. And instead, after we have been chanting Becky's name, after we have chant, we, we chanted for Becky, we want Becky, all the rumors of Becky, when Becky finally returns, we find a way to ruin these moments.
And if you got something to say about, oh, well, that's not fair, I don't care. Because these are moments as professional wrestling fans that we should have enjoyed. And what do we do? We compare, we contrast, we do cause, we do effects. And instead of appreciating the moment as the moment is happening, we find a way to complain. This is why we, as wrestling fans, whether you complained about it or not, you get we are all getting lumped up into this. So yes, technically speaking, I am jobber of the week again because I am a professional wrestling fan. This does not make any sense at all. This does not make any sense at all that we have found a way to complain about three amazing returns and great professional wrestling throughout last weekend. This don't make no sense. How dare we? We should be ashamed of ourselves. Because we have been blessed. We have been blessed with amazing wrestling. We have been blessed with amazing moments. And we found a way to not appreciate it and ruin it. You have been clamoring for CM Punk for seven years. And we found a way to go, well, that's not better than Brock Lesnar's return. We have been clamoring for Becky Lynch for a year and a half. Well, that's not better than CM Punk. Well, look what they did. And I get what they did. We're going to get into that. Trust me, people. We're going to get into that. Oh, Brock Lesnar return. Oh, oh, my God. Haven't you guys been clamoring for Lesnar versus Reigns again? Oh, they're doing the same thing. They're doing the same thing. Why did they keep going to it as well? Haven't we not been clamoring for Lesnar and Reigns ever since Reigns changed his character, got Paul Heyman, and we immediately fantasized about Reigns versus Lesnar with Heyman in the middle because of the stories that they could tell with this. And when we finally get it, we found a way to complain. This is what I'm talking about. This is why WWE fans, this is why professional wrestling fans, including myself, is jobber of the week. Because when we get what we want, we find a way to complain. And when we don't get what we want, we find a way to complain. So guess what? You have to understand why wrestling fans, why wrestling promotions, excuse me, particularly WWE, according to most people, why they don't give us what we want. Because when they do, when they do, we still complain. Shut up, enjoy the moment, enjoy the moment, appreciate the moment, appreciate what you are seeing. Don't sit there and just go instantly to Twitter, oh my God, Lesnar's back, <laughs> but that was better than this, that, or the third. <laughs> CM Punk's back? <laughs> what big deal is that? We got CM Punk. We got Becky. We got Brock Lesnar. We got Walter versus Dragonoff part two. 
and people still found a way to complain, even though that is match of the year so far throughout any promotion. That's WWE, that's AEW, that's New Japan, that's any promotion. We had got match of the year last Sunday, and people still found a way to complain about it. But that way, you better did that first match. It was beautiful because, oh, trust me, I'm going to break that match down because it was beautifully executed. It wasn't supposed to be their first match. But my God, they incorporated the first match into their match last Sunday. But we found a way to not enjoy professional wrestling. This is why, and yes, I understand that I made this name show because of wrestling. I understand that I am a wrestling fan myself. And I understand that people who are listening, some of you guys are still professional wrestling fans or were professional wrestling fans. I get it. But my God, sometimes we got to get caught out on our bull. And that is what is happening right here, right now, today. I am calling out professional wrestling fans to get better at what the heck you are doing. Because trust me. If you keep complaining, even when we get what we want, even if we get what we also deserve sometimes, companies are not going to do it because they see you complaining online, they see you tagging them online, and they see that they have given you what, what you wanted, and they see that they still complain, so they're going to do what they want to do anyway. They're going to do what they want to do regardless, but they're going to do what they want to do and disregard what the fans want. And if you don't believe me, look at Monday Night Raw every single Monday. If you don't believe me, look what Vince is about to do to NXT. If you don't believe me, look what Vince has been doing for the last 15 years. And if you don't believe me, if you really don't believe me, then look at the state where WWE is going. We are going to come back after these commercial breaks. We're going to get into SummerSlam preview. And we are also going to get into Walter versus Dijakovic. Not Dajakovic, Jesus. Uh, Dragonoff, part two as well. You are listening to Technically Israel on All Sports Cleveland on NorthCoastUnderground.com. We will be back after these beautiful short messages. Have you always had a passion for film, radio, television, or other types of media? If this sounds like you, Ohio Media School may be the jumpstart you've been searching for. We have seven campuses to choose from. At Ohio Media School's eight-month program, you will learn about every aspect of media through hands-on coursework. From producing your own music videos and film shorts to having your own student-run internet radio stations and podcasts. Plus, all of our courses are taught by broadcasting professionals. Our school's diploma program will offer you job placement assistance. 
We also offer financial aid for those who qualify. Learn more about us at BeOnAir.com or call at 216-503-5900. That's BeOnAir.com and call us at 216-503-5900. We are located at 9885 Rockside Road in Valley View. The Ohio Media School. We change lives. Would you trade $10 to get almost $10,000 in gift cards redeemable at hundreds of places around town? Of course you would. And how incredible would it be if a portion of that $10 was used to support some amazing nonprofits? Nonprofits like Awakening Angels, Beautiful Faces, Easter Seals, these nonprofits, and more. You get to save money and nurture your community. Join us today at UniteThisCity.com and embrace what makes our community different. My dad came to live with us last month, and you know, it's going pretty well. I feel like I never have time for myself. With him being around more, it really lets us catch up on things. His memory isn't what it used to be. We get up and we have coffee. He usually wakes up at 4.30. Then we go for a walk. He needs lots of my attention. I do need to keep an eye on his medications, though. That's important. Sometimes I feel like a pharmacist. I'd say John and the kids are adjusting pretty well. They honestly have no idea what I'm going through. It can be a little challenging. Help. But so far, so good. I could really use just a little help. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Everyone, and I mean everyone, has the right to feel confident and secure when they wear swimwear. But we all know that that's not the case. So let's shop Vibe Swim. Vibe Swim is a swimwear brand that has the hottest styles for all sizes, genders, and of course, vibes. Be all that you are in new Vibe Swim pieces that you can purchase online at www.vibeswim.com. Again, that's www.vybeswim.com. All right, we are back to Technically It Is Real. <clears throat> Thank you guys for tuning in. Again, I want to say thank you because you cannot say it enough for all of you people listening and i really have a good time doing this show it has been one month since we have started this show and and we've had some great moments we had some good guests and there is no guest today it's going to be all me that's okay because i like to hear my voice sometimes and i do appreciate everybody listening and on to the show. I do appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So let's get into it because SummerSlam was last Saturday. And we I think the thing about SummerSlam is we got a good event. It wasn't great, but it was solid. It was pretty good. So I I, I would say this the highlight of the show definitely was RK Bro winning the tag team titles edge versus seth rollins we got becky's return and we also got brock lesnar's return cena and reigns was a good match but to me definitely matching the night was edge versus seth rollins um low lights the low lights uh 
like I said, RK Bro winning the tag titles was a highlight, but I wasn't a big fan of the match. I was not a big fan of the triple threat women's match um, between Nikki Ash, Rhea Ripley, and Charlotte Flair. And I definitely was not a big fan of the Bliss Eva Marie match. Matter of fact, they could have put that on the pre-show for sure. Um, a low light as well, Lashley and Goldberg. Let's get into that one real quick because, one, that match actually went longer than I expected it. I thought it was going to be two minutes. Remember last week I said that match should last longer than you can say onomatopoeia, but it should not last as long as CM Punk's last MMA match um, in, in the UFC. But it actually lasted a little over seven minutes, a little under seven, about the seven-minute mark. And that kind of surprised me because I was not expecting that match to go on for that long. Now, at first, it was looking a little scary that uh, Lashley was going to lose the title at SummerSlam to Goldberg because Goldberg hit a couple of spears. But once they started showing Lashley dominating Goldberg, I thought it was pretty much the end. And I, I, I would give Goldberg this credit. Goldberg sold his knee very well until the end of the segment. And I'll get into that in a little bit. Goldberg sold his knee so well. I actually, and I usually, I usually try not to get fooled with injury angles in professional wrestling. But it did get to the point where I thought he was legitimately hurt. I thought that Goldberg really had messed up his knee. One, Goldberg's older than Lashley by, I think, about 12 years or something like that. So that's one. But also, the way he was selling it, I, I legit thought that that man was injured. I said, wow, Lashley, maybe something happened. I don't know. Lashley's hurt him. Whatever it may be, Goldberg is injured. What helped me realize that it kind of wasn't an injury angle was when they had Goldberg's son come out. Now, when Goldberg's son comes out, I'm not a fan of this because, okay, I get it. That's your dad. And, yeah, the storyline is incorporated. Um, you are incorporated into the storyline. But it's just further advanced the fact that we're going to get Goldberg versus Lashley more than likely at Saudi Arabia show in October. But you have Lashley put him in a full Nelson, and that's great and all. His son sold it pretty well. And then when Goldberg realizes that his son was put into the hurt lock and subsequently passed out by Lashley, all of a sudden that knee does not hurt anymore. Now, I get it. You got to protect your children. You're going to be mad because, hey, your child got hurt while you were hurt by another man. So I get that part. But can we at least try to sell the knee a little bit better than what you did, Goldberg? I mean, you were doing phenomenal at first. You were doing very well selling that knee at first. Had me full for me. Hey, what would that meme say? Hey, he had me in the first half. I'm not going to lie. But <laughs> where you see your son hurting. That's when the, the, the selling of the knee stops. That's when the selling of the knee stops. And it's like, there, there's definitely a way 
to where you can still sell the knee and still tend to your child and in an angry way. But it just seemed like the way Goldberg went from, ouch, my knee hurts, to hulking up and now that knee is healed up faster than Wolverine heals up a scar. Now, all of a sudden is, okay, well, what happened to that knee? That knee healed up pretty fast. Did the doctor put a Z-pack on? I mean, who knows? But <laughs> that, that's the only part I didn't like about that segment was because Goldberg was doing such a good job selling the knee. And it just it just kind of went down the drain once he saw his son passed out and all of a sudden that knee is not hurt anymore. So th that's one of the lowlights because I didn't mind the match. I didn't mind the story that they were telling. The the stoppage was kind of eh, uh, anticlimactic. I thought I thought Lashley should have got a more dominant win. Like he should have disregarded what the referee um, wanted to to do when stopping a match and just put him in like a knee bar and force Goldberg to tap out. But because you really don't need to protect Goldberg. Goldberg is in his 50s. Why do we still need to protect Goldberg? Um, I would have liked to see a more definitive finish with that match, but it is what it is with that. But then let's get into it. Let's get into what I've been teasing, and that is Becky Lynch's return. Now, they knew that Bel Air versus Banks part two was not going to happen eight days in advance. Now, they were still advertising it. So as I'm previewing the show last week here on, on, on this show and our in the special three hour show and our number three last week. Sasha Banks is not medically cleared and was never medically cleared to compete in the ring legitimately so the wwe knows this now i think they did this because everybody was like false advertisement false advertisement false advertisement i don't think it was false advertisement i think they wanted i mean you can make the argument for false advertisement but i think it was just mainly because they wanted to throw people off from the becky lynch rumors and to their credit they did a good job doing that up until the end but we get the Carmella thing. Carmella comes out and the crowd went mild. Nobody cared <laughs> that Carmella came out. Um, the only person who cared that Carmella came out was Pat McAfee. Outside of that, they didn't care. So Carmella comes out. Belair is, is, is mad. She's pissed. I don't know if it's legitimate or she's acting. Either way, if it's acting, great job because I thought she was legitimate pissed. If it's not, she was just legitimately mad. Carmella comes out. She's standing there ready for a championship match. Bianca goes, well, since I can't face you, I'm since I can't face Sasha, I might as well go ahead and take out my frustrations on you. And as we're getting ready for this match, Becky's music hits. And I will say this. I popped. The movie theater clapped. I pop because I'm, I'm just naturally loud. I think you could tell by Jobber of the Week segment that just happened a few minutes ago. But Becky comes out to a loud ovation. And Becky throws Carmella out of the ring, beats her down, throws her out of the ring, hit, gets her against the steel steps, and gets back into the ring, grabs the microphone, and basically tells Bianca, me and you, for that title, let's go. 
I was loving it. Everybody, because remember, I went to go watch this at the movie theaters last week. Everybody in that theater was excited to see Bel Air versus Lynch. Number one, you talking about Lynch, who came, who left the business on top, who was still the top wrestler, uh, still as you, yeah, not only the top female wrestler, but the top wrestler in that company when she got pregnant with Seth Rollins' child. But you got Lynch, who was red hot. She was red hot coming out, red hot, red hot, red hot. Everybody's happy to see her again, and. During that time, Bianca Belair has built herself up as a legitimate main eventer. And I'm not talking about one of those temporary main eventers. I'm talking about a main eventer for years to come. That is how good Belair is. The Belair that we had got from TakeOver Phoenix, I believe that was 2018 to 2019, to Bianca Belair of today are two completely different wrestlers. Bianca Belair's gimmick is the EST of WWE, and her in-ring ability proves that she is the EST of WWE. Her in-ring ability it shows that she's the toughest, the fastest, the strongest, the best wrestler in that ring. She is one of the best female wrestlers, one of the best professional wrestlers, in all the professional wrestling, I will put up Bianca Belair against anybody in any in any promotion, and I will pick Belair ten times out of ten. That is how good Bianca Belair is to me. So to see Becky, someone who has, who left out on top, to see Bianca Belair, someone who is rising to the top, and we gonna get this match here. After we was going to get what we thought Belair versus Sasha, who would have tore the house down. And the bell rings, and I and I get excited, and it shows that, oh, okay, they, they shake hands, and then Becky hits her with the clothesline. <sighs> Becky then hits a Uranagi, a Uranagi for the three counts. And my first reaction, and still my reaction is, what? It is what? This is how we have Becky return? This is how we have Becky return. We have Becky return like this? No, 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 no. That's just not right. That's not right. And then Becky is the one who recommended she should be a heel. I guess she wanted a character change, whatever it may be. But if you're going to put the title on Becky, please have a 10-minute match. 25 seconds? 25 seconds? Really? It, it, just, it just ruined Becky's return. And like I said, we... WWE fans, wrestling fans in general, is jobber of the week. But the one thing that I will say, because it's a little bit of a catch-22, because, yes, I am not happy that we complain about Becky Lynch's return. 
she returned to the ring. I'm still happy about that. What I will complain about and what I will agree with wrestling fans, because I am one, but the majority of them, is that how they did her return was bad. Absolutely right that it deserves its criticism. That was bad. And the crowd showed it at Allegiant Stadium. It was bad. She went from the hottest wrestler of that night, and when she won the title, there was a a loud gasp, followed by what the hell, and then followed by dead silence. And I don't think you want dead silence during the title change, especially when it's somebody returning. I definitely don't think you want to do that. But they did anyway. And it's dead silence in that theater, too, because we just all just was like, what? What what just happened? What just happened here? That is what we all said, because it it, it, it didn't make no sense. Honest to God, did not make any sense that we have a 25-second match against two of the hottest wrestlers not just female wrestlers, but wrestlers in the business. A clothesline and a uranagi? That is how we close this out? That is how we do Becky Lynch's return with a uranagi? And for you people who kind of forget what a uranagi is or haven't watched re- wrestling in a while, a uranagi is a rock bottom. If you remember what the rock bottom is, that is a uranagi. She basically did her own rock bottom. For a... Yeah, it baffled me. It, 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 it baffled me. Edge and Seth Rollins, though. Man. So you got Becky, who had not a good execution of her return, and then her husband has a phenomenal match with Edge... I do think the wrong person won. I remember last week I was saying it didn't matter who won. And I remember last week saying that I thought Edge might win because he needed a pay-per-view win, especially if you're talking about him competing for the Universal Championship. But I would like to see Seth Rollins win this match. I'm not mad. I am definitely not mad at how, how that match went. I'm definitely not mad how Edge won the match. I'm definitely not mad at the fact that how Edge won because I thought one curb stomp would happen. It never happened. But I do love the fact that they incorporated the curb stomp into the storyline of this match. I do love the fact that these two guys went out there and had a methodical match. And that is the one thing about Edge. Edge doesn't wrestle this look-at-me style of wrestling that has gotten popular. Edge wrestles what we, I guess we would now call old school. It's not 2005 anymore. We got to remember, 2005 is considered old school now. So, kind of an old school style. We pick a body part. We tell our story very slowly. We build this story up. Instead of a a show-me match, we're doing a this-is-what-we're-telling-you match. And they do it to a perfect. Edge does it to a perfection. And I'll tell you this, 
Rollins and Reigns and, and all these other guys that wrestle with Edge, with these younger guys, that's why I love him working with the, the guys that he didn't work with beforehand because they get to learn something while wrestling him. They get to learn, hey, you don't have to do the flippity-doos. You don't have to do the dives all the time. You don't have to do 18 super kick transactions. You don't have uh, transitions. You don't have to do a bunch of DDTs. Hey, we can break down one body part or we can sit back and incorporate one move. We can put one move in, which that one move was the curb stomp, and we can tell an entire story based off of how much you want to hit that curb stomp and how I avoid it every single time. I thought this would make Edge the number one contender. I sat back and said last week, whoever won this match should be number one contender. That wasn't until after the Reigns and Cena match. Now, Reigns and Cena had a good match. Was it match of the night? No. It def- match of the night definitely deserves to be Edge and Seth Rollins. But I will say this. I, I will say this. Easily... I think that's what their second or third time Reigns and Cena have faced each other. Easily their best match. They told an excellent story. They they. I'm not a big fan of. Let's do a bunch of kickouts, especially when it goes overboard. But I am a fan when you do it right, and you don't do it too often. And for me, they did it right. They did it at the right time. And they ended the match when it was supposed to end. You knew the match should have ended right there. They ended it right there. They didn't do another two kickouts, another four kickouts, another six kickouts, another eight kickouts. And then you're like, okay, well, now this match is ruined. No, they did a great job teasing the fans. They did a great job with the kickouts with the submissions and they did a good job building that suspense and they did an excellent job ending it when it was supposed to end they did an excellent job doing that but moments of the night was Brock Lesnar returning Brock Lesnar returning that was moment of the night I absolutely lost my mind and I lost my voice for about two days because Seeing Lesnar come back was amazing. When you hear that first guitar riff, you know, and as Lesnar, oh, you know, business has picked up. And we are finally, even though we don't deserve it sometimes, even though we complained about it, we are finally getting Reigns and Lesnar part three. But this is easily the best storyline that they have already. This is easily going to be a different match, in my opinion, than what it has been in the past. Because now we got Paul Heyman thrown in there. Now we got a different Roman Reigns. Now we got Lesnar coming for the title. The only thing I wish I don't see, as much as I love Lesnar, as much as I love his wrestling, as much as I love his character, as much as I love his look, I am a huge Lesnar mark. The one thing I definitely do not want to see is that universal title on to Brock Lesnar. I will say this. I said it last week, and I will say it again. The one person who should beat Roman Reigns for the universal championship should be Big E. Nobody else. But Lesnar returning, staring down Reigns, 
was amazing. But what was better than that was Paul Heyman's face. Was Paul Heyman selling this? It was like Paul Heyman saw a ghost. Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman. Man, oh man. This guy is amazing. He does what he does. He knows how to tell a story based off his face. I mean, Heyman sold everything. I mean, this is this is the rivalry we wanted. And Heyman just sold it. I mean, it, it, honest to God, it was like Heyman saw a ghost of his past. And I am very interested to see what is going to happen between Lesnar, Reigns, and Paul. I am very interested to see what's going to happen with that. So... That's just a little bit of my SummerSlam review. We're going to get in. When we come back, we're going to get into Walter versus Dajakovic. Keep saying Dajakovic. I don't know why Dajakovic keep popping in my head. Walter versus Dragonoff. Jeez. Sorry about that. But, yeah, we're going to talk about Walter versus Dragonoff, and we're going to talk about how that is match of the year throughout any promotion. I don't think any promotion has touched it. I don't think any promotion could potentially touch that match we're going to talk about it after these commercial breaks. You are listening to Technically It's Real on All Sports Cleveland here on NorthCoastUnderground.com. We'll be right back after these messages. Your 20 is all about one question. What's the move? Do you know what your next move is? We're all tired of sitting at home worrying about what comes next after the kids, after the wedding, and that job you'd rather stay at home for. Do you know Ohio Media School offers educational programs not only for the young, but the old too? Radio production, video editing, and voiceovers with camera preparation is all available to you. What? You don't have time to attend classes on campus? No problem. Ohio Media School on Rockside Row offers offline and on-campus classes that can adjust to your schedule. So stop letting excuses keep you away from calling and making Ohio Media School your next move. Located at 9885 Rockside Road. What are you going to do with your old car? You can try selling it, you could junk it, or you can donate it to Heritage for the Blind. Your car will be towed away for free and your donation is tax deductible. Just call 1-800-778-1489. Heritage for the Blind accepts cars, vans, trucks, and boats. It doesn't matter if your vehicle runs or not. It will be towed away for free, and you'll be supporting those that need help. Heritage for the Blind is a nonprofit organization that helps the visually impaired live fuller lives. Call right now to donate your car, and as a special thank you, you'll receive a free three-day vacation voucher to over 50 locations. Call Heritage for the Blind right now. Call 1-800-778-1489. Donating is easy, and your vehicle is towed away for free. Plus, you'll get a free vacation voucher for donating. Call now, 1-800-778-1489. That's 1-800-778-1489. Nurse, I need you to apply pressure to the head wound until I can get to it. I'm concerned she's lost too much blood. Oh, no. You in the corner, who are you? You're not supposed to be here. She's my girlfriend, doctor. You need to wait out in the waiting room. Please, doctor, I want to stay with her. Look, she's been badly injured. So if you want to do what's best for her, you need to let us do our work. Please, doctor, she has to be okay. I didn't mean to do this. I love her. Wait a second. You were the driver? Yes, but I didn't mean to. I swear, we, we went to dinner. I, I was just buzzed. I only had a few drinks. Just buzzed? Why didn't you tell us that? In that case, your girlfriend is fine. Hey, sweetie. I feel great. You want to get out of here? I can't believe this. Really, doctor? She's really okay? What, are you kidding? No, not really. Nurse, get me a suture kit. Stack. Buzzed driving. Maybe we should stop acting like it's no big deal. Buzzed driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. 
In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trapped. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In biology, in English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn... ...is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. All right, we are back to Technically It's Real. I am your host, again, Tyro Jackson. Thank you all for listening. So let's get into match, not only match of the weekend, not only match of the weekend, but match of the year so far. Like, if this was New Year's Eve, this would easily be match of the year. I don't think nobody even sniffs it. Nobody. Dragonoff, Walter, NXT UK Championship at NXT TakeOver 36 Part 2. We, <laughs> we got, oh my God, we got the match of the year. Their first match was a barn burner. And I love their first match so much because not only did it tell a story, but because there was no fans there, it added an element to their match. Now, Walter walking in 860 plus days as the United Kingdom champion. He has had the longest reign in the modern era in all of professional wrestling. His NXT UK championship run has been had been absolutely phenomenal and for that because if you whether you watched it or not yes we're going to get into who won and the way I'm talking you should figure out who won but because of that I got to give him a round of applause because it was beautiful he won that championship beating Pete Dunne who by the way, had a long title run his himself. And he surpassed it. He had great matches. He carried it well. He carried it with pride. But after his first match with Dragon uh, Yeah, Dragonoff, you could tell that Dragonoff was next in line. They made the right decision by having Dragunov win this match. We got chops. And, I, and I'll say this real quick. If there's anybody in all of professional wrestling that can match the chops of Walter, it is definitely Dragunov for sure. I mean, he has chops for a dude his size. But we had great technique. Wrestling, we had great storylines, we had a great vignette that 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 had aired before the match. And 
you can sense this was a title change down the line. At first, I really thought Walter was going to pull off the win. I really, really, really thought Walter was going to pull off the win because there was a moment where he hits a chop, a power bomb, climbed up to the top, hit a splash, and I, honest to God, thought it was over. And when Dragunov kicked out at two, that's when I knew the title change was happening. Now, how the title change happened was very surprising. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Dragunov is a phenomenal wrestler. Walter is a phenomenal. Walter, to me, is top three throughout any promotion. If I had to make, I guess if I had to make a top three through any promotion, Walter would be up there. Bianca Belair would be up there. And I would sit back and say that, and there's no particular order. There's no particular order at all. But as of now, and I know it's all WWE guys, but I would have to say Edge. I would have to say Edge. I mean, because look at the matches that Edge is having. Look at the matches that Belair is having. And look at the matches that Walter has continued to have on a consistent basis. But Dragunov is up there at number four. If it was a top five, Dragunov is in there. And Jack, and even though for his size, Dragunov wrestling ability, his toughness, showed that even though he is way smaller than Walter, he has the legitimate chance of taking that title. He is a legit threat to that title run ending. And it ended on Sunday. We got a great match. Dragunov's chest turned into raw hamburger meat. <laughs> we got loud chops. We got fight forever chance. And the crowd did add to this match for sure. And will I say that is as great as their first match? I don't know. Because they incorporated that first match into this one. They told the story that not only would Dragunov do anything to beat Walter, but he's learned from his mistakes. And how they ended this match was incorporated because of the first match. Now, the first match, Walter passed out Dragunov in the sleeper. How Dragunov won the title, he put Walter into the sleeper. And it shocked me to see Walter tap out. That shocked me. And for someone of Walter's size compared to Dragunov and Walter's wrestling ability and fame status, that is a risky move to take a tap out. But it shows that he's willing to do it for the betterment of the promotion and the match. Beautifully done. Beautifully executed. 10 out of 10. If we're doing star rating, we're definitely doing 10 stars out of five. And to any promotion, AEW, the rest of WWE, New Japan, All Japan, doesn't matter. Touch it. I dare you to try to touch that match. I do not think 
that any match is going to touch it. That includes Darby Allen versus CM Punk. There is no match that I think will touch it. Now, we still got four more months, really three more months, because th- this upcoming week, September is here. Touch it. I'm daring anybody to touch that match. And if you do, you still might have a hard time even getting close to match of the year. If you do, good luck because you're going to need it because that match, just as their match was part one was match of the year, this match is match of the year. And I want to see anybody who can touch and match it. That's just my two cents on that match as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to go on a quick commercial break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the AFC East. But first, I get I have the utmost pleasure of being at a high school game. I will talk about the game that I has been that I was able to cover last night and I'm going to talk about that as well. So stay tuned because you definitely do not want to miss that. You are listening to Technically It's Real on All Sports Cleveland here on NorthCoastUnderground.com. This is Namdi Asamoah. I play football for the Philadelphia Eagles, but what I do off the field with United Way might be more important. I'm a volunteer tutor and mentor. Why? Because over a million kids a year drop out of school, and that's not okay. It takes 12 years to create a graduate, but it takes about the same time to create a dropout. And the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be me, or it could be you. Studies show that if we get to these kids earlier, their chances are better. And kids who read well by third grade are more likely to graduate. So join me in United Way. Suit up and take the pledge. Become a volunteer reader, tutor, or mentor. Because when a child succeeds, we all succeed. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way, the Ad Council, and the National Football League. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was .5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. You wanted to see me? Yes, please, have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team, but... I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. We want to hire you. You're you're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. 
Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year. Remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash call. All right. We are here again. So, look. Welcome back to Technically It's Real. I am your host, Tyra Jackson. Thank you for listening to the commercials. Thank you all for listening. So, like I said before, the commercial break, we're going to talk about the AFC East. But first, we got high school football to talk about because I had the utmost pleasure and utmost privilege to cover the Cleveland Browns high school game of the week between St. Ignatius versus Mentor. I will sit back and say this. What a game it was. What a game it was. It was a beautiful, beautiful night. A good atmosphere. It was muggy. It was hot. But, hey, it is football in Cleveland in August, and it's hot and muggy here in Cleveland all the time, especially this summer for some reason. But this game, this game was what it was hyped to be. We got good passing in this game. We got good running. We had got good defensive line play, and we had got good overall action and a lot of highlights in this game. So starting off this game, Ignatius Will would drive down the field in the first and on their first drive, but will end up missing a fourth fourth down conversion. Mentors Jacob Snow methodically move the ball down the field. They methodically move the ball down the field. And it was I don't I'm sorry. Um and it was absolutely amazing. Look, both of these teams came out well, but look. Jacob, he's moving the ball, boom, 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 passing, running. They had a balanced attack until he found Evan Harper for thirteen for a thirteen yard pass, gave him a seven nothing lead with about four and a half minutes to go in the first quarter. They ran off a lot of time. They was able to keep Ignatius defense on their toes because they were run here, pass here, but they they. Drove down the field, 65 yards, got his seven to nothing lead, um, in the in the uh, 
in the first quarter. But the Nation would come back on their second drive. They would uh, convert a fourth down, a key fourth down conversion on this drive. They they got some help with Minter's defense because Minter uh, had a rough in the passer call and a personal foul call. Uh, no, a rough in the passer call and a holding call, um, which they gave him an extra 25 yards. And Nation would do the same thing as Minter did on Minter's first drive, and they would just keep the game mixed up. They would keep it mixed up, run, pass, run, pass, you know, a couple sequences here and there. But overall, keeping Minter's defense on their toes until Marty Linehan ran, ran in for four yards, made the score 7-7 seven to seven at about the 10-minute mark and, and in the second quarter. Even though they they got, even though um, both teams were struggling to run the ball here in this first half, it was the run game for St. Ignatius that led to their first score of the game. And this is where things got really good for Minner because Minner would come out of this of this drive and would answer right back. Peter, uh, Peter, uh, if, I, if I pronounce your name wrong, I apologize. But Kyle Hobb of Ignatius had recorded the first sack of the game. Snow then responded a few plays after that sack with a 65-yard bomb in between two St. Ignatius defenders for a 65-yard touchdown pass with 739 left to go in the half. They made it 14-7. This I mean, the way Snow put that ball into Harper's hands was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, that throw was NFL-worthy throw. That was an excellent throw by Snow. And I will say this about Snow before I continue on. I will say this about Snow. Snow has NFL talent. You heard it here. He moves well in the pocket. He, he, he's very mobile, has a beautiful arm, can launch that ball deep with precision and accuracy and does it effort, effortlessly sometimes. He motivates his team. There was one point where he only had missed one pass in the, throughout the entire game. That offense was red hot, and that offense was red hot a lot due to a lot of the fact that Snow was just launching that ball throughout the whole field. He was managing the drives well. He was managing the clock well in that first half. I think Snow, in my personal opinion, should absolutely be having some scholarships lined up at the door if he does not already. Even though he's a junior, he should be having it right now because he's that good. I love what I was seeing from Snow throughout the whole game, even when Ignatius made their second-half adjustments. But on the next drive for, for the, uh, the St. Ignatius Wildcats, Joey Paff would throw an interception to uh, Henry uh, Schnick. Excuse, again, if I'm pronouncing your, your name incorrectly, I apologize in advance. The very next play, Snow just launches the ball to Michael Norwood, 72 yards to the house. And would score a touchdown, making it 21 to 7 as the half was closing. Minner's first half, very simple. Three drives, 
three passing touchdowns, Snow dominating the, the passing game. And for Miner's defense, they weren't getting as much pressure as as far as like getting actually getting to the quarterback because the one thing about Path for the for the Wildcats, Path was so good at moving that pocket. Anytime that Path would move, he made the pocket move with him. When when there was when there was pressure coming to his right, he would move to the left. When there was pressure coming to his left, he would step up. He moved. I mean, there were there were a few times where I sat back in this game and was like, that's a sack. Oh, it's not because Path has gotten out of there. But Ignatius' offensive line played good. The problem was was that Minner's defense was having everybody cover, covered. It gave Minner time to pressure the quarterback. And, yes, even though Path went uh, at one point in this game, he went through six, six straight incomplete passes, it wasn't due to the fact of him – you know, there were a couple of throws that were questionable, but it was him trying to make a play because because Minner's secondary was that good. They were containing and locking down everybody, and it was giving their defensive line enough time to pressure to bring on some pressure. But it took a little while for Minner's defense to get pressure, and even when they did, Pav just got out of the way. Pav just stood strong in the pocket. He moved well. I mean, the way he was moving in that pocket was was NFL like that's how good he was moving into that pocket but but anyway they're up Minner's up 21 to 7 going into the half go, coming out of the half coming out of the half Ignatius would do the same thing look path was continue to struggle because of Minner's defense Minner's secondary they were facing an uphill battle going in uh going into into the second half down by 14 points but look Ignatius drove the ball down the field but mentors to to mentors credit they would bend but would not break throughout pretty much throughout this second half they connected for two field goals the first one was a 37 yard field goal by Zeb Eldridge 37 yards drilled and made it 21 to 10 with 843 left to go in the third quarter this was starting to get good. You can start to see the momentum on Satan Nation's side. It then happened when Snow would throw his first interception to that none other than Joe Norris with 643 left. They would then go down the field, hit a 33-yard field goal by Eldridge. They were slowly climbing back, but it was 603 left in the third quarter. They're down 21 to 13. They're only down by eight points. But the one thing that I would sit back and say, the one thing I would sit back and say is that the Minner defense did an excellent job making sure that they did not get into that end zone for for pretty much majority of that second half. But there were a few plays where Path put the ball right into the bread basket only for the pass to either be broken up or for that pass to be dropped. But there were a few plays where it looked like Ignatius was going to score a touchdown, but it just didn't happen like that. And those two key missed touchdowns would end up altering this game. It really would have. But still, the momentum was on Ignatius' side throughout this half. Not only that, but the defense of St. Ignatius 
would absolutely bring pressure to Snow. Even though they wasn't getting sacks off of them, they were disrupting the play. See, just to go on a little sidebar here, the one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that if it's okay to not get a sack sometimes. Yes, you do want the sack ultimately, but if you are causing enough pressure to where you can disrupt the play or you can make the quarterback sweat and make him to and force him to make bad decisions, you are still doing your job. And that is exactly what St. Ignatius did in this second half. They brought more blitz. They brought more pressure. They had continued to stop the run. I mean, Minner could not get the run game going in this game at all. But they continued to bring pressure to Snow. It was looking like it was going to be a comeback. And for me, it was looking like I was going to see another 14-point comeback because the week before I saw Berkshire and, 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 and Cuyahoga Heights, and I saw two 14-point comebacks in that game. So it was looking like I was going to see another one. But with 3.07 left to go in the third quarter, with 3.07 left to go in the fourth quarter, I mean, not in the fourth, excuse me, in the third quarter, Charlie Dun- uh, Dunstan would call a late fair catch. And it was one of those fair catches where – if he calls it, if he doesn't call it, he's going to get hit. But if he calls it, he calls it. But he should have called it bef- before he actually did because he didn't have enough time to completely wave his hand in the air. All he, all he had enough time was to do was to move his hand in a 180-degree in a uh, circular motion. And that caused the muff fumble. And that caused the – that caused Mentor – to get the ball back with 3.07 left to go in the third quarter. Mentor would drive down in the fourth quarter, still up 21-13. And even after the month fumble, it was, in my opinion, the, the momentum still overall was on St. Ignatius' side. It was deflated a little bit after the, after the fumble, but nonetheless, it, it was still on their side. They, they Mentor was driving down the field, but – it looked like Ignatius was going to make a stop because they did make a stop on the very first play. Minner calls a trick play, and Nick Jars would throw an interception right to John. Excuse me, right to John Mangan with 11:51 left to go in the game. And when I when I saw it, I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, what I'm saying I was like, "What just happened here?" But nonetheless. It, it was it was a good play by Mangan, and look, this this game was really really good. It had a lot of drama, and Minner was in their goal line. I thought this this was going to be the drive to to ice the game, but the one thing about Ignatius too that I forgot to mention is that anytime that Ignatius will run the ball. There was always a penalty. It was a holding penalty or whatever, or a legal block and a back penalty. There was always a penalty. So there were times throughout this second half while their defense is bringing pressure, their defense is stopping Menner's offense from scoring. They're they're actually slowing down Jacob Snow. There were times where Ignatius penalties were shooting them in the foot because they would move the ball ten yards. They would move the ball fifteen yards just for it to be negated back because of a penalty. Because of a penalty. But Linehan, Marty Linehan finally had broke one with 5.04 left to go in the fourth quarter. He broke one for 52 yards. 
I mean, kid. I mean, Linehan had speed. I mean, he was going, and he threw out a nasty stiff arm on his way to the end zone and stumbled in there for a touchdown to make it twenty-one to nineteen. But Minner's defense would end up breaking up the two-point conversion, make keeping that score twenty-one to nineteen. Then the play of the game happened. The play of the game happened. Evan Harper takes the kickoff ninety-eight yards down the field and ices the game as it was only mentors points of the game and would make the score 28 to 19 this completely deflated this completely deflated any momentum that Ignatius had and a chance for a comeback it deflated what they had and excuse me two mentors credit specifically to Harper's credit. He stepped up when it mattered the most for his team. He, t- I mean, he was going, and, and remember when I said Linehan had a nasty, had a nasty stiff arm? Oh, Harper had a nasty stiff arm as well. I mean, he, they, they both threw their dudes to the ground. This, this was, I mean, it was the very next play after the two-point conversion, and it was crazy. It was insane. The place erupted. It was loud. And it was just, you could just see not only on the sideline of Ignatius, but even, and, and, and I'll tell you this, Ignatius travels well because they had a lot of fans out there. They had their student section out there. But it was just, it, it pretty much iced the game because even though Snow would end up fumbling the ball um, with about a minute 41 on a third down and subsequently Path would have a 17-yard pass to Sean Martin, uh, to make it 28 to 20, uh, 25, and then they would kick the extra point. It just wasn't enough. Menner would get the onside kick. They would kneel it down three times. That was the game. Final score, 28-26. Menner over St. Ignatius. Menner moves to 2-0. Menner moves to 2-0. They play St. Edwards next Saturday at at St. At St. Edwards. Ignatius plays a team coming in from Baltimore next week look my players of the game for both teams is very simple for for Minner Evan Harper he was the game changer of this game four catches 101 yards two touchdowns seven rushing yards and a 98 yard kickoff return that he took to the house it was a toss-up between him and Snow because Snow had a great game but Snow struggled as they as they brought as they kept bringing pressure Snow was starting to get a little rattled, and he was starting to make bad decisions, bad throws. Uh, he even had an intentional grounding. I mean, Ignatius' defense came out and made the right second-half adjustments to get pressure onto Snow. Both of those quarterbacks are mobile, but I got to give it to Harper because, look, Harper's 13-yard touchdown, his 65-yard touchdown catch, and his 98-yard kickoff return were game changers. Evan Harper was legitimately the game changer for Mentor, he is the reason why they end up winning this game because if you include Linehan's 52-yard run and then if you include um, Pav's 17-yard touchdown pass to to uh, uh, Sean Martin, without that kickoff return that Evan Harper had, this game is won by St. Ignatius. So Harper legitimately changed his game with that kickoff return for a touchdown. So Harper definitely gets player of the game on the mentor side 
On the St. Ignatius side, it's definitely Marty Linehan, 18 carries, 125 yards, two touchdowns. He had two catches for 13 yards as well. Look, Marty had the play of the game for his team when he ran it in from 52 yards. They get the two-point conversion, it's a tie game. If they stop Harper from from getting the the kickoff return for a touchdown and then the 17-yard catch would have happened from Sean Martin, they win this game. Even without the two-point conversion, they stop Harper from getting into the end zone. This is a whole different game because of Linehan's 52-yard run. He was the difference maker. He, Even though it was tough, 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 tough for him to keep running that ball, he kept running the ball. They kept giving him the rock. He had a 20-yard run uh, earlier in the game. He was, he was breaking through. He was running the ball harder, and, and he got a lot of help from his offense line at times. But that 52-yard run was absolutely phenomenal. He had a nasty stiff arm on the way there. That would have been play of the game if it wasn't for Harper's um, kickoff return for the touchdown. He definitely gets play of the game. I mean, he, he was a game-changer game for, for, for Minner as well. I mean, not for Minner, excuse me, for St. Ignatius as well. But we got a great game. We got a great game between two fierce rivals. And if I'm not mistaken, this is Mentor's either third or fourth straight win against Sadie Natures. And look, these two teams, they play well. They they play well against each other. They play well individually against other teams. I love the fact that I was blessed and privileged enough to cover this game. It was absolutely phenomenal to watch this game. The atmosphere was college-like. The bands were out there playing well. Ignatius uh, fans were out there showing out. Heck, there were times where Ignatius fans were louder than Minner fans. But nonetheless, I mean, my God, this was an absolute barn burner of a game. But I will sit back and say this. It shouldn't have been 28-26. to If they didn't move... They're running back out in motion on the third and one and would have just handed him the ball. The fumble probably doesn't happen, and then the Sean Martin play probably doesn't happen to make it 28-25 to 25 and then the extra point. But nonetheless, these two teams fought hard. These two teams played well, but Minner made the plays enough, made enough plays to keep. Even though, even though Sangin' Nation was catching up, trying to come back, trying to come back, trying to come back, they did a good enough job. They made enough plays for them to keep Ignatius away from their lead. They led the entire game. Outside of the tie, the 7-7 tie in the second quarter, they led the entire game, and they made the plays when it mattered the most. So congratulations to Minner for the win. Congratulations to Evan Harper for player of the game. Congratulations to Harper for that kickoff return for a touchdown. And, look, I am very interested to see where Minner goes. I'm very interested to see where St. Ignatius goes. But this game did live up to the hype that it had all week coming into Friday night. And it was just an amazing game. I was blessed to be able to cover this game. So when we come back, we're going to get into it with the AFC East. We got Buffalo Bills. We got the Miami Dolphins, New New England Patriots. And the New York Jets coming up because we're going to talk about it. You are listening to All Sports. You are listening to Technically Israel on All Sports Cleveland here on North Coast Underground. We'll be right back after these messages. 
creando conexiones durante la recuperación de un trastorno mental y uso de sustancias, pone toda la fuerza de la familia y comunidad apoyándole a usted, ofreciendo apoyo y esperanza. Únete a las voces de la recuperación, fortaleciendo familias y comunidades. Para información confidencial sobre desórdenes mentales y de uso de sustancias para usted o alguien que conoce, llame al 1-800-662-4357. Patrocinado por el Departamento de Salud y Servicios Humanos de los Estados Unidos. just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel, and a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. You can make a difference. The American Red Cross does more than blood collection. That's just one aspect of our commitment to your community and many others around the world. Health and safety services, international services, disaster relief, and supporting America's military are all ways that you can help us serve your community. To find out how you can make an impact, visit us at redcross.org or contact our Greater Cleveland Chapter at 216-431-3010. The American Red Cross, making an impact since 1881. Have you ever had a dream fail because of bigger responsibilities? Unplanned pregnancy and planning the mother role to younger siblings can definitely get in the way. Well, I'm here to tell you that Ohio Media School offers you that second chance, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or a single-parent father and vice versa. Ohio Media School offers online and campus opportunities for broadcasting, video editing, radio production, and more. So stop watching TV and be the one directing the show. You stop listening to the station and become the station at OMS on Rockside and Valley View. All right, we are back. We are back. Technically, it is real, and we going to get into it with the AFC East preview. So first off... Let's get it going. Let's get it popping because we got about a little, little above half an hour. So let's get into it. Let's get it going. We got to move through this kind of fast. So let's start talking about the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills won this division last year. It had been their first division win in like what? I believe uh, 25 years. So Buffalo does sit back and win this division. They won a playoff. They actually won trying to think my bad excuse me two playoff games last year i gotta remember one and two don't but yeah they won two playoffs games last year on their way to the uh conference championship against the kansas city chiefs where they ultimately uh lose that game to kansas city so let's get into it with their key additions key additions include getting mitch trubisky now i know some people are not fans of mitch trubisky but one we all know Josh Allen is the quarterback of the future, um, especially when they had signed him to a six-year deal uh, a few weeks ago. But just in case, God forbid, Josh Allen gets seriously injured, I think they have a solid uh, backup quarterback, in my opinion. I think they're going to do well. 
without Josh Allen if that situation was to ever come. And they definitely uh, got a better backup situ- backup quarterback situation than what they had last year with Matt Barkley, which I had forgot he was in the league for a while. But they got Matt Barkley – I mean, not Matt Barkley, excuse me. They got Mitch Trubisky. They got Emmanuel Sanders, who's still a solid – still a solid wide receiver in this league. They they did lose Tyler Croft to the Jets. Uh, I think that was a, a, a big blow. And they also did lose Brian Winters to the Arizona Cardinals. But they did. Now, they did game. Um, excuse me. They did game. Excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They, now, they did gain a, a few players. They did gain Bobby Hart from the Cincinnati Bengals. And they did gain. Um, excuse me. Sorry. And they did game Ife Obata. From the uh, from the Panthers, look, they they this Buffalo team is good. They are Super Bowl contenders for a reason. And then they, I, in my opinion, I think they had a good draft. I think they had a good draft. I think with Gregory uh, was was Rouse Sean. I, I am butchering this name, so I apologize in advance. I I just butchered that name badly, but that's okay. Um, I, I do, but I do apologize nonetheless for butchering that name. But I think they had a solid draft. Um, they they really didn't need to like they didn't really have any needs, so they could draft just off a of best player available. Um, I I think they're walk, pretty much walking in with the same team now. Their key games to me, their key games to me is obviously Pittsburgh. Let's see what they do against Pittsburgh Week One. I think that's going to be a good matchup. I think them facing Kansas City Sunday. Sunday night? Yeah, Sunday night. They play Kansas City. That is a huge game. That is a huge game. I mean, that's that's AFC Championship match uh, uh, rematch. This is a huge game. So, I think that is a key game for them. The Titans is a key game. The, 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 the Colts are a key game. The Buccaneers, they play the Buccaneers and Tampa. Key game. They got a tough schedule. They got a tough schedule this year, but I I, I see look I, I see a win against Pittsburgh. I see a win against Miami. I see a win against the Washington Football Team. I see a win against the Texans. I actually see a win against the Kansas City Chiefs, and then they probably lose their first game against the Tennessee Titans. I think they sweep the Dolphins. I, I, I actually know. Let me rephrase it. I think they tie with the Dolphins. I don't think they sweep with the Dolphins. So I see them losing two straight. They beat Jacksonville. They beat New York. They they beat the Colts I think they lose against New Orleans and the Patriots and the Buccaneers but then they'll bounce back with the win against the Panthers the Patriots Falcons and they'll close out with the win against the Jets uh this team is good I think they take the division again Josh Allen is going to have another excellent year Stephon Diggs is going to have another excellent year this team is locked and loaded ready to not only go to a Super Bowl but win a Super Bowl and if you don't believe me, they were one game away last year, and they pretty much got the same team again. Yes, I do think this team could potentially go to the Super Bowl, and I actually am rooting for them to go to the Super Bowl, especially if they don't play the Cleveland Browns, because I've always seen Buffalo as as our as our sibling. They're pretty much the same. We got bad at the same time. We couldn't find a quarterback. We had this carousel of of coaches quarterbacks, general managers, and owners. And 
They found their quarterback, their franchise quarterback, the same draft class as we did. They they built their team correctly the same way that we did. The only minor difference is they made the playoffs before us. But if you really think about it, they had the longest streak of not making the playoffs. And then when they made the playoffs, it was us. We were always second behind them and that. So they're just like us. Their fans are rowdy. Their fans are exciting. Their fans are wild and crazy. They have excellent parties. I mean, they have the best tailgaters. They have the absolute best tailgaters. You cannot argue that with me at all. They have the absolute best tailgaters, and that's not going to stop at all. And, you know, I want to see some more tables smashed in Buffalo. Nonetheless, I got Buffalo. If it's not Cleveland going to the Super Bowl, if it's not Kansas City going to the Super Bowl, it's definitely going to be Buffalo going to the Super Bowl. And I think they might win it depending on who they play in the NFC. So, I think Buffalo has a good year. No doubt about it in my mind. Let's get into it next with the Miami Dolphins. Now, the Miami Dolphins, excuse me, Miami Dolphins were one game away from from, from getting into the playoffs. They got beat out by, not only did they lose their last game against Buffalo, but they got beat out by the Indianapolis Colts as well. To me, their big loss was definitely Ryan Fitzpatrick. Nothing against, nothing against Tua Tagovailoa, but I would have kept Ryan Fitzpatrick. Not for him to start, because if you draft Tua at the draft that they did, you got it. You got to keep Tua. You got to have Tua start. You can't have him come in and out. And I think that's the one thing that hurt Tua Tagovailoa because. They kept bringing him in. Then they set him out. Then they brought him back in. Then they set him out. Oh, we need a game winning drive. Let's put in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Any other time? No, you got to let Tua throw those interceptions. You got to let Tua make dumb plays because he's only going to gain experience. And then you can really see if he can play or not. So I think you got you have to let him get the experience. But look, they, they got they got Jacoby Brissett. I think he's a solid backup quarterback just in case Tua gets hurt or whatever it may be. They got Jason McCourty from the New England Patriots. They, I mean, they got some key additions. They got Greg Little, um, who is a not not the not the um, not the ex wide receiver who dropped every single ball for the Cleveland Browns, but a different Greg Little uh, to to add to the, uh, add some depth to their offensive line. They they got Malcolm Brown uh, from the Rams. Uh, they signed him. They, they they made moves this offseason. They got uh, Cravon LeBlanc from the Eagles. They got uh, Duke Riley from the Eagles. They they got Shaquem Griffin, which I absolutely love this because I think Shaquem can play, uh, and I think he's in a good system to play. So they got him. Dolphins spent some money. Dolphins made some moves in this. You got to trust in Tua Togavaloa. You absolutely have to put your trust in him. You drafted him in the first round last year. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. Now, they easily made the two best moves in this draft, especially if it works out correctly. Now, with Jalen Waddle, with Jalen Waddle, that move surprised me because I thought they was going to go get his teammate. But I see why they did this. Yes, Tua played with him, but also – Waddle got that same Tyreek Hill speed, and I think that's what they're looking for. I think a lot of teams are looking for that Tyreek Hill type player. And if it works out, Jalen will be that Tyreek Hill type player. 
then later on in that draft, later on in that first round, actually, they get Jalen Phillips. Now, if you don't know who Jalen Phillips is, if you don't know who Jalen Phillips is, he is an excellent college defensive end, an excellent defensive end who has had troubles with concussions. Matter of fact, he had so much trouble with concussions, he was deemed to re- basically retire by the NCAA until he found his way around and got reinstated. If you really want to go really in-depth with Jalen uh, Phillips' um, history and, and where he came from, go to YouTube, type in Flimlo Raps, Jalen Phillips. He gives an excellent in-depth of Jalen Phillips' history and everything like that. But if Jalen stays healthy, stays away from the concussions, they got themselves a absolute steal. This guy not only can stop the run very well, but he can pass rush very well. I think they absolutely got a steal of the first round. And if he sits back and could just stay healthy and play like he did in Miami, if he can play like he did in UCLA, trust me, Jalen Phillips is going to work out for them very well. Javon uh, Javon Holland is going to work out very well. Liam uh, Eichenberg from Notre Dame. I am a Notre Dame fan. I know who he is. Excellent offense alignment. Excellent offense alignment. They just reassured that the tackle position for their offense line. They got themselves a good offense alignment uh, in this draft. I think they have one of the better drafts in their division. I like their drafts. The next person, the next team in their division that I like their drafts from was the New York Jets, and we're gonna get into the Jets uh, soon. But I think the Dolphins had the best draft in their on paper. They had the best draft in their in their entire division. To me, their key games they got a good amount of key games. Obviously, Buffalo. I said they have they're splitting with Buffalo. I think they they uh, split with the Patriots. They play the Raiders. I think they win against the Raiders. I think they beat the Colts. I don't see them beating Tampa at all. And I actually see Jacksonville coming out with a surprise win um, against them. They got Atlanta. I think they beat Atlanta. They beat the Texans. I I don't have Texas winning a lot of game, to be honest. The Ravens, I think they lose that game. I think they sweep the Jets. I don't – the only team I really see the Jets beating this year in their division is, is the New England Patriots, but we'll get into that. Actually, I'm changing my mind. I think they split with the Jets. I think they split with the Jets too. I just thought about it. I think they, I think they do split with the Jets. I think they 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 beat the Giants. They beat the the Titans, um, and like I said, they split with the Patriots. This is Miami's time to get into the playoffs. And with a coach like Brian Flores, who is a phenomenal coach, one of the better young coaches in this entire league, uh, going into his third year with this team. Yeah, his third year with this team. This team should make the playoffs. They were one game away from making the playoffs. I think they make the playoffs now. And especially with, like I said, like like me and Jack John said last week, there's only one team coming out of the AFC South. And I don't think there's going to be, excuse me, I don't think it's going to be two teams coming out of the AFC West. Kansas City comes out the AFC West. That's it. I don't see the Chargers coming out. I don't see – we're getting ahead of ourselves. I think Miami makes the playoffs. I think – and I must just say this right now. I think we got seven teams. 
So we're going to break this down. Cleveland, Baltimore, Buffalo, Colts, Dolphins. I think the Steelers can sneak in. I think the Steelers can sneak in. And depending on how good a season they have, I think the Patriots might sneak in too. I think the Patriots might sneak in. I'll tell you why the Patri- why I think the Patriots might sneak in after these commercial breaks because guess what? We still got the Patriots. We still got the New York Jets. And trust me, we are going to get into that as well because, hey, it's the NFL. And we're going to get into it. We are listening to Technically Is Real on All Sports Cleveland. We'll be right back after these commercial breaks. I remember the moment. I remember the moment. I'll never forget that moment. As long as I live. As long as I live. A storage tank ruptured, and for miles, chemicals were pushing up against the riverbanks. This was a big, big deal, and it was going to have a serious impact on communities up and down the river. I remember the moment this local guy came up to me and said, they call the guard out for this stuff? You probably thought we were all about hurricanes, tornadoes, fighting Mother Nature. Hey, it's a chemical spill. It's a disaster. It affects the water supply, threatens wildlife. We're talking about the health of entire communities and people's livelihoods. You bet we're ready for these kinds of things. We were out there with booms to prevent the spill from expanding. We were responsible for protecting and monitoring the sensitive wetlands. I also remember the moment that same guy came up to me and said, I don't know what we would have done if they hadn't called the guard up. Learn more about how you can protect your friends, families, neighbors, and the environment. Everything that makes up your community. Go to NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters in this station. They'll test you. Try to break your will. But however loud the loudness gets, however many cheese puffs may fly, you're the driver, the one in control. Stand firm. Just wait. And move only when you hear the click that says they're buckled in for the drive. Never give up till they buckle up. Everyone, and I mean everyone, has the right to feel confident and secure when they wear swimwear. But we all know that that's not the case. So let's shop Vibe Swim. Vibe Swim is a swimwear brand that has the hottest styles for all sizes, genders, and of course, vibes. Be all that you are in new Vibe Swim pieces that you can purchase online at www.vibeswim.com. Again, that's www.vybeswim.com. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I'd build secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes, I'd do the same things over and over, until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Go, he makes people laugh and makes people smile, and I feel like I have that quality. He's the one who always takes me fishing. I watch golf with him. (laughs) I watch him cook, because when I grow up, I want to be a cook, too. Me, how does he faces like this? Dad is the one, when you fall, that picks you up. That unconditional sense of presence and um, reassurance is really what makes him my father. Right now, nearly 30% of U.S. students aren't finishing high school. In many places, it's even higher than that. And fixing it is a responsibility that we all share. This is President Obama, and I urge everyone 
to take responsibility for encouraging the high school students in your communities, to support them, challenge them, and do whatever it takes to help them make it through. Do your part by going to boostup.org and giving a student the boost that's needed to make it to graduation. A message from the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. Let's go inside the mind of a 10-year-old. I should have worn earrings today. Buckle up, Sarah. Michaela's got, like, the best earrings. Sarah, buckle up. I wish my name was Michaela. We're not hitting the road until you buckle up, honey. Oh, yeah. Seatbelt. I wonder if there's pizza at school today. It can be tough getting through to kids, but it's your job to make sure they're wearing your seatbelts. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. High school football lives here on allsportscleveland.com. Talk of the land. Valley View, Cleveland. All right, we are back. Technically, it is real. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all listening. So we got about 20 minutes left, so let's get these last 20 minutes in because we got more to talk about, and we're going to start the conversation coming out the break with that none other than the Dark Star Dynasty, maybe Stella Dynasty itself, the New England Patriots. So look. Obviously, New England had a rough year last year, and an unusual year, might we say, um, for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots going 7-9, one of their first losing seasons in a long time. I think that's their first losing season since 2000, and I want to say that was 2002 after they won Super Bowl. I don't think they had a winning season, or if they did, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But look, this is a... This is a New England team that is trying to bounce back. And Bill Belichick is trying to bounce back because, look, Brady won a Super Bowl without him last year, and it does not make Belichick look good at all. Look, now they lost they lost Julian Edelman uh, to retirement, and that, that that is a blow because they really don't have a deep – wide receiving core all like that but they went out and spent money they got matt judon from the ravens they got trent brown from the raiders they they got kyle van uh van noy back uh in, in a patriots uniform they got hunter henry the tight end that was an excellent move especially if hunter henry could stay healthy that is an excellent move uh they re-signed james white now they just traded sony michelle uh michelle to the St. Louis Rams for a sixth and a fifth round pick. I thought that was okay, but, I mean, I probably wouldn't have made that. I would have kept James White and Sony 1-2 combo. They they got to rely on the run game a little bit more. But, nonetheless, they, that's what they decided to do. They got Nelson Aguilar. He's a good wide receiver when he can catch the ball. They they got um, – they, they re-signed uh, Cam Newton. They drafted Mac Jones. So, there's a little bit of quarterback uh, controversy right there. I still think Newton comes in as a starter, even though he's on his on that five day COVID protocol um, that was mandated by the NFL. Um, Marvin Hall uh, from from us, I, I thought when when Marvin Hall had played the game uh, against the New York Jets, that I think he would play good, especially like for a guy who had the walk through in the first uh, 
couple of hours uh, with the first couple of hours of before the game against the New York Jets. So I think that was a good move. I think they added a little bit of depth to their wide receiving room right there. They got Henry Anderson from the New York Jets. They 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 made some moves. They spent some money. I mean, Bill Belichick went out and threw the the um, basically threw the checkbook in free agency, especially when he got Judon and Hunter Henry. He threw the checkbook at those guys. I mean that. I thought Judon was easily, easily their best free agency signing. Um, not only in this year, but I, I would, I would, I would sit back and say, I would sit back and say, in, in quite a while, this was easily their best free agency signing. I think that this, I think the Patriots do bounce back, and and, and the Patriots could actually. Sit back and win this division. Now, uh, did I say win the division? My bad. They can sit back and go into the playoffs. Do I think they're going to win a division? No. So disregard the fact that I said I think they can win the division because I don't think they can win a division. I think they finished third in their division. But the way the AFC is starting to shape up to me, I think that third in their division is enough to get them to the playoffs. I think that they have an opportunity to – uh, win some ball games early on. They split with the Dolphins. I think they split with the New York Jets. Uh, they beat the Saints. But game of the year for these guys is week four. Week four. At week four, Tom Brady comes back to Foxborough. Tom Brady comes back to New England as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That Oh, man, you don't want to miss that game. Brady's first game against the Patriots is in Foxborough. It deserves Sunday night. It is a test. They're going to get annihilated by by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Tom Brady's going to come out and just dominate, I think, in my opinion. But I just thought of something. Who knows Brady more than anybody else? That would be Bill Belichick. They did play together for 20 years, so – now I'm sitting back thinking, hey, this is either going to be Tom Brady's explosion game or it's going to be the defense that keeps Tom Brady in containment. But I do think Tom Brady would dominate the game. I don't think New England walks out with a win on that one. But like I guess I don't have the Texans winning a lot of games. Texans, they beat the Texans. I think they beat the Cowboys. Um, I think they beat the Jets. Um, like I said, they, they split with the Jets. So I think they 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 – Lose to the Jets week two, but they beat the Jets week seven. Um, I think they lose to the Chargers. They lose to the Panthers. They more than likely lose to us. Uh, uh, I, th- I think they lose to us. But then, look, I think they beat the Falcons. They beat the Titans. I'm sitting here thinking Buffalo, because I think I just said that Buffalo sweeps. So, yeah, Buffalo does sweep, but I think they beat the Colts, Jaguars, and, like I said, they they split with Miami. They finished third in their division, and I think with them finishing third, like I said, I don't think Oakland's good – not Oakland, excuse me, why I'm still usually saying Oakland. I don't think Las Vegas is good enough. Look, their team is good, Las Vegas, but there's this trend. They either start off hot, then they bottom out, or they start off cold and then they get hot, but it's not enough to get them to the playoffs. I think the same thing happens again this year. I don't think that changes. I think third is good enough to get them into the playoffs. 
if they don't make the playoffs, they don't make the playoffs, but they're going to compete. I think they finish above 500. I think they finish one game above 500. Um, well, actually, let's, let's actually test this theory. So, what, I got them beating the Dolphins week one, them losing to the Jets week two, them beating the Saints week three. So, I think they start off two and one. They go two and two with the loss to, to, to Tampa, but then they bounce right back with a week five win against the te- Texans and a week six win against the Cowboys, making them four and two before they beat the Jets, make them five and two, and then lose to the Chargers and making them five and three. So I think they go five and three the first eight games. And then in November, they play the Panthers. I think they win that six and three. They lose to the Browns that's six and four. They beat the Falcons that's six that's seven and four. They beat the Titans that's actually they lose to the Titans, excuse me, that's seven and five. They lose to Buffalo that's seven and six. They beat the Colts seven and uh eight and kind of lost my train of thought. They beat the Colts. They lose to the Buffalo Bills again. They beat Jacksonville. Then they lose to the Miami Dolphins. So I think because I, I just lost my train of thought. I don't know why. But anyway, they do beat the Dolphins once. They do beat the Jets once. And they get swept by Buffalo. And then, like I said, I think they beat Atlanta. I think they beat the Panthers. I, I think they beat the Saints. They lose. They go 3-1 against the NFC South. I, that is very possible because – Look, I just think that the NFC South is not that strong outside of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But we'll get into that preview eventually as well. But the the the, the Patriots had a solid draft getting Mac Jones, getting Christian Barrymore. Uh I, I did love the, the Ronnie Perkins pick from Oklahoma. And look, I, I think this team competes. I think this team sneaks into the playoffs, especially if there is not a team coming out the AFC West, especially if there's not another team coming out the AFC South. I think there's two teams that come out the AFC North, and I think there's three teams that come out the AFC East. So I, 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 think, I think New England gets back into the playoffs. Do they make a deep playoff run? No. They, they, they do not make a deep playoff run at all. But that's just my personal opinion. We'll see how this goes. Like I said, this is these are all previews. And trust me, I'm recording this right now. This I can come back to this and be totally wrong. But I, I just from what I'm seeing with the moves that they made, um with with the signings that they made, the moves that they made, the schedule that they have, and the way I see the rest of the AFC playing out, they could sneak in. They could sneak in. I don't think the Broncos are good enough still. I don't think the Chargers are good enough. I don't think the Raiders the Raiders are good enough to get in. If there's any team that can knock them out, it's the Raiders. But just off the pass with the Raiders, I just don't see it because the Raiders either bottom out at the end or they start off hot and then they they start off hot and bottom out or they start off cold and then get hot, but it's not good enough. So I don't know with that. So then let's move on finally to that of the New York Jets. The J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets or as I like to say the losers of the first round, the first overall pick because they just had to win under Adam Gates when it when it mattered the most just to lose. Like Y'all blew it for yourselves but that's okay. Instead of you getting Trevor Lawrence, you got Zach. You got, instead of getting Trevor Lawrence 
who, who do you got to settle? Who you got to settle for? That none other. And I, I don't know why I can't. Zach Wilson. I don't know why I couldn't think of his name at first. You lose Trevor Lawrence, you get Zach Wilson. I think it's a good move, but we'll see how that goes. Jets and quarterbacks don't go well, but we'll see how that goes. I think the Jets had an excellent draft. I think they had the second best draft in this in this class. They got Zach Wilson. They got Ella. Uh, Ella. Ella. God, I'm I'm butchering his name. I was, Elijah Vera Tucker. If I butcher the name, I apologize. They got Elijah Moore. They got Michael Carter from North Carolina. I thought that was an absolute, 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 absolute great move. Michael Carter, the running back from North Carolina, because they did draft Michael Carter Jr., the safety from Duke, but Michael Carter, which was a good pick. But Michael Carter, the running back, you can move him around the field. I actually do like that pick. I like the Elijah Moore pick. I like the 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 Vera Tucker pick. I like the Zach Wilson pick, but they did lose out on Trevor Lawrence because they just had to win games, didn't you guys? You just had to win games. But then also like the fact they added they 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 re-signed uh Crowder, they traded Darnold, which we kind of saw that as inevitable. They they pretty much just ruined Darnold his whole time in New York. They got Sheldon Rankins, they they got um they got Tyler Croft from the Bills. I thought that was a good move. Frank Gore did retire finally <laughs> after playing like 35 years in the league. They got uh, they got Danny Feeney from the Chargers. Uh, Dan Feeney from the Chargers. They <clears throat> excuse me. They 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 got Carl Lawson. They they they've added some pieces here, and I I like the moves that they made in the offseason because they decided to sit back and just go, look, we just need to just build something around Wilson in the first place. They got Wilson. They got they got their quarterback, which I, I think it plays out for them decently, but we'll see how that goes. But, look, this Jets team, they're finishing last in their division, but this Jets team is bright. Getting Robert Sala from, from the 49ers, I thought that was an excellent, excellent move at head coach. The next best move I had for them was making the move for Doug Peterson, but they nonetheless made a good move um, by getting uh, Robert from the San Francisco 49ers. They got LaMarcus Joyner, safety from the Raiders. They, they, they're making the right moves, the right steps into the future. They needed to badly because this team was, it was getting uh, bad. It was getting horrible for this team. But I, I don't know. I, I think they bottom out. I think their division is too strong with the Patriots, the, the 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 Dolphins, and the Bills. I just think they finished last this year. I think they make noise next year, depending on how the, how their offseason goes. I, even depending on how this season goes, I do think they make noise next year. I don't think they make noise as of right now. But look, they they play the Panthers. I think they're losing to the Panthers. I think Sam Darnold is going to go off. It's a revenge game for Sam Darnold. I think Darnold goes off on the Jets week one. I absolutely I absolutely do. Uh, the Patriots, I, like I said, I got them losing to the Patriots at this game. I got them losing to the Broncos. I got them beating the Titans. Actually, I got them losing to the Titans, excuse me, beating the Falcons, 
and then beating uh and then beating the Patriots week seven. I got them splitting with the Patriots. I got them splitting with the Dolphins. They do not beat Buffalo at all. They beat Cincinnati. They lose to the Colts. They lose to the to the Bills. Uh, the the Dolphins game. If I, I believe I have them losing the one Dolphins game, so they they beat the Dolphins. Um, week eleven, week twelve, the Texans. They beat the Texans. I have no faith in the Texans at all. They lose to the Eagles. They lose to the Saints. They lose to the Dolphins. They beat Jacksonville. I think they beat Jacksonville. Lawrence Wilson. They beat Jacksonville. They will get smacked around by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then they'll get smacked around by the Buffalo Bills. But their future, their future is bright. It is honestly bright, but it's not going to happen this year. But I think they have the potential to build something great for the for the year down the line. And their future is going to shine this year. This is one of those years for the Jets where it's not a, hey, we are going to dominate or we have to show out or this is a make or break year. This is not one of those years for the Jets. This is one of those years where we get a, a just a small glimpse of what the future is going to be like for the Jets for the next three to five years. That is what this season is. They're going to have it rough, but they're going to compete. This is not going to be the Jets of last year. It's not going to be the Jets of last year where they just get hot all of a sudden, but they just suck the rest of the way. They don't have an incompetent head coach. Thank God they fired Adam Gase. They don't have an incompetent head coach there at the helm anymore. So I, I think the Jets, even though they bought him out, I am excited to see where they go. They rebuilt their offense line. I forgot that they signed Morgan Moses. They got Morgan Moses from Washington. They rebuilt their offense line. They got a quarterback of the future. They got a good running back, um, running back, um, a tandem back there. They got decent wide receivers. I like where this team is going. Their defense is solid. I like where this team is going. I like where they're going. I like the GM move. I like the head coach move. I would have preferred Peterson there, but I get why they got Salah. He's going to bring a lot of energy that to a not only to an organization, but a fan base that desperately needs it. They desperately need some energy in that fan base. They definitely need some energy in that organization. They got the right guy, but they bought him out. But at the same time, this is one of those, hey, let's see what the future holds for the New York Jets because it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. So I got Buffalo winning, winning this division. I got the, the, the Dolphins finished second. I got New England finishing third. But I got the Jets finishing fourth. But they are going to be absolutely competitive. But that is all the time that we have. I want to say thank you all for listening in on the show today i want to thank you all for listening this past month we have been doing this for a month now and i have been excited i can't believe it's been a month already but man we've been doing this for a month and look it's been it's been a bumpy ride because look i'm still learning i am still learning 
as I get on this mic, but I feel like I'm getting better and I do appreciate everybody for going on this journey with me. Like I said, again, I will not be here on the 11th. I will remind you guys of that. But on the 4th, next Saturday, I will be here because, look, we are going to talk about two divisions next week. Next week is all football. It's all football. We're talking about the AFC West, and then we're going to get into the NFC East. We also are going to break break down what is going to happen between be, between um, – I'm sorry. Jeez, I lost my train of thought. Anyway, we're, we're going to break some things down. We also are going to go through, because cut week is up, coming up, so we're going to also come through some key cuts that will happen. And then also, because, I, once again, I won't be here on the 11th, we are going to talk about how 9-11 changed NFL history. We're also going to talk about that. So y'all definitely want to stay tuned for that. This has been technically It Is Real, and it has been real because i am your host tyrell jackson thank you for tuning in oh don't forget we got jobber of the week next week as well but it's been real thank you for tuning in you guys have a blessed week we will be back next week you guys stay safe stay classy and stay blessed stay safe and thank you for listening this is tyrell jackson signing off This is everyone's favorite season, Autumn, from Triple Threat, and you're listening to AllSportsCleveland.com, the home of the NEL Christmas Classic. Have you ever wanted a career in broadcasting? Well, the Ohio Media School.